Our Lord and our God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We come to you, Lord, acknowledging our sin. Thanking you, Father, for being gracious in your loving kindness to send your son to save us from our sin. We thank you, Lord, that you gave us the faith to repent and to believe and to trust in Christ alone for our salvation. God, we thank you that we have counted the cost of being a disciple and we have reaped and are reaping and will reap the great reward that comes with being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would give us ears to hear this evening, minds to understand and hearts to believe. God, I decrease so that you may increase, become less so that you can become more. I pray you would move me out of the way this evening and that your people would not hear me or see me, but hear you. And understand what you are saying to all of us in your word. Be glorified tonight in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, good evening once again. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight as we conclude our, our final sermon in this series that began way back in the beginning of October, end of September. Uh, we began by talking about the gospel. We heard of the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man. The powerful work of Christ in his life, death and resurrection on behalf of sinners who now calls sinners to repent and place their faith in him alone. We heard of the great cost and the, the even greater reward of following Christ. We then moved from the gospel to the obvious next step, which is evangelism, gospeling, right? Sharing the gospel. We learn uh, who should evangelize. How to and how not to evangelize, what evangelism is, what evangelism isn't. We learned what we are to do after evangelism, which led us to our current series, which we are concluding tonight, Making Disciples. Tonight, we are going to conclude this series by discussing what role the local church plays in this whole thing called discipleship. What role does the local church play? Let me start off by saying, if you're taking notes, the local church is the most natural environment for making disciples. I'll say that again. This is not my first point, but it is a good point for you to take note of. The local church is the most natural environment for making disciples. We're going to argue that point tonight. With that said, we must be aware of attempting to disciple believers mainly outside of the church. I'll say that again. We must beware of attempting to disciple believers mainly outside of the local church. That is both wrong and dangerous for us to ignore and forsake the local church in the process of attempting to obey the command to make disciples is completely outside of the will of God for our lives. We need the local church and the local church needs us. Amen. Now, if it is unwise to disciple outside of the local church, it is equally dangerous to have the local church who knows nothing about making disciples. If it is dangerous to disciple outside of the church, it is also very dangerous, equally dangerous for the local church to know nothing of making disciples. Meaning a church in which the command to make disciples 
is not at the forefront of is a church that is dangerously misleading the congregation as to what Christianity is all about. As the church functions, as it, it was created to function, it becomes the most natural environment for making disciples of all believers. As the church functions, as it, is, as it is created to function, it becomes the most natural environment for making disciples. A local church is the primary avenue through which believers in Christ are discipled, right here in the local church. It is the local church that has the responsibility to preach the gospel, to preach the entire counsel of God's word, to confirm and affirm those who have claimed to receive the word through baptism. The local church has a responsibility to encourage one another to continue in repentance and in faith. We administer the Lord's Supper. The local church has the responsibility to reject the claims of those who profess to be believers and are not believers. This is all of the things that we find in the local church and so much more. The local church is where you find people who have been changed by the gospel. Amen. Not perfect people. But people who are facing the same challenges that you and I are facing, that we all strive, as we all strive to live in this world while being separate from this world. Think about what we agree as we join the local church. If you're a member of this church, you have agreed to our church covenant. And think about what it says here. Think about some of these things. We covenant together to glorify God by making disciples. Together we draw near to God in worship. We delight in the glory of God, depend on the presence of God, grow in the knowledge of God, submit to the word of God as the all-sufficient authority in our lives and in this church. We, together, hold fast to the hope that we profess. We regularly participate in communion as we solemnly and joyfully remember the past work of Christ on the cross. We celebrate the present work of, the, of Christ at the Father's right hand. And together, we spur one another on to love and good deeds. We meet with one another consistently, pray with one another regularly, serve one another selflessly. Do you see all these we's that we do together? This is all found in the local church. And I could go on and on, but all of that really is a great description of what discipleship really looks like. The point of all these numerous we's, again, is that the church covenant, as we have come together, is a community of disciple, disciples making disciples. Now, we may fail in many of these areas, and feel free to share with me where you think we're failing in these areas. I'm open to that. But none of these things would take... Imagine if none of these things were taking place. All of these togethers, and all of these we's, and all of these one another's. So tonight, we're going to discuss four important points, or aspects, as to what role the local church plays in making disciples. Number one... The local church is the center of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, if you're taking notes, the, the, the local church is the center of obedience to Jesus Christ. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And I'll start reading there. Let us hold fast to the confession of, confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another on to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The writer of the Hebrews, Hebrews encourages the believers to stir one another on, encourage one another to love and good works. Let me ask you a question. How is that going to be accomplished? 
the writer of the book of Hebrews tells, that, tells us how that's going to happen. First of all, by not neglecting to meet together. How is, it, how is it that we are going to accomplish the command to love one another or to encourage one another, to spur one another on to love and good works? Well, the writer of the Hebrews gives us the first way, that is, not neglecting in meeting one another. It is when we meet each week that we are able to obey this command. Again, what command? Holding fast to the faith, stirring one another on to love and good deeds, encouraging one another in the faith. As we meet each week, we are fulfilling the commands of Scripture and helping to cultivate a community of strong believers who love one another and who care for one another. Now, at this time, there were some who were getting into the habit of neglecting the gathering of the saints for the purpose of worship. When we gather on the Lord's Day, we are following a weekly pattern that was established in Scripture. As people gather to hear the word of God preached week after week, to pray week after week, to sing together, to baptize, to celebrate the Lord's Supper week after week. Basically, or biblically, we are, are told that this took place on the, first, on the first day of the week, which would take place on a Sunday. And that day was the day that the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So this weekly meeting that we are, ta- that we are taking part in each Sunday... It takes place each week and it gives shape to our claim to following Christ. It was designed by Christ. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, uh, Peter makes this confession. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus builds his church on Peter's confession. You are the son of the living God. This church can consist of those who have repented of sin, placed their, faith in, placed their faith in Christ, and have confessed the same thing that Peter confessed. Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. The local church has been in existence for over 2,000 years. And the local church will continue to endure until the return of Christ. The church will not fail. Individuals in the church may fail, but the church itself will not fail. What does Jesus say concerning the church? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Matthew 18, 18, Jesus invests the church with the authority to bind and to loose, meaning that the church has the responsibility to confront unrepentant sinners. Unrepentant sinners are excluded from membership. They are not excluded from attending the church or even being loved by the church. But as the local church, we have the responsibility of making sure that they are excluded from believing that they are believers. That is how we bind and that is how we loose. Making sure that they know that they are not members of God's church because they are not in fellowship with him. It may sound harsh, but this is actually the most loving thing that you can do for an unrepentant sinner is tell them that they are not united to Christ. Only sinners join the church. Amen? Amen. We're all sinners. Only sinners join the church. But only sinners who, the only sinners who can join the church are those sinners who repent of their sin. So only sinners join the church. Only repentant sinners join the church. Amen. We recognize our sin and we trust Christ to forgive our sin and the Holy Spirit to sanctify us from sin. Bible says in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus tells his disciples that all authority has been given to Christ. And he delegates his authority to his disciples to do what? To go and make disciples. His authority has been given to us, his church. And the local church is the center of obedience to Christ and his commands. If you're looking for a place of where those who are obeying the commands of Christ are found, or if you're looking for a place where people who are obeying the commands of Christ are found, look no further than the local church. This is the center of obedience to Jesus Christ and his command. We are called to obey the Great Commission. What did the first disciples do with that great command? Well, we read in the book of Acts and in the rest of the New Testament that they did exactly what Christ commanded them to do. And they also founded local churches that are characterized by everything that Jesus was and everything that Jesus displayed for his disciples. They in turn did what? They displayed for others the loving example of Christ and those who followed them went out and did the same. And they did what? They planted more churches, teaching, obeying, baptizing, evangelizing, making disciples, and doing it all over again until we have you and me here today. It is, the, it is the center of obedience to what Christ has commanded. Do you realize that if those disciples who came before us did not obey what Christ commanded, then you would not be here. So the local church is the center of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our first point. Number two, the local church is the most natural environment for discipleship. The local church is the most natural environment for discipleship. Now that we've established that the local church is the center for obedience to the commands of Christ, we turn to this point. It is the most natural environment. Your reply to that should be this. How? Some of you may say amen, but it sounds like most of you may be thinking how, right? How is a local church the most natural environment for making disciples? The local church is the place where making disciples is the most natural part, listen, of what we normally do. I'm going to say that again. The local church is the natural part or place of what we naturally or normally do as we gather each week for worship. So each week when we gather the most natural thing that you should be doing is everything that is involved in the process of making disciples. And it happens every single week. And it's what we naturally do. Amen. How? Well, first of all, through pastors and elders, teachers of the church. How do they naturally disciple us? What is the role of pastors and elders? How? By delivering to you the word of God every single week. Every single week, the word of God is delivered into your ears through the preaching of God's word. And it is through that preached word that you are most consistently discipled. Amen. If you're listening, if you have ears to hear, then as the word of God is being preached to you, that is the most natural, natural occurrence of you being discipled at one particular time throughout the week. And, and it is happening through the word of God. And that's why we'll be getting back to expositional preaching starting next week. We'll be going through the book of James. But the Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Think about this. In Ezekiel chapter 37, we are given this miraculous example of the power of God's word. As a valley of dry human bones take on flesh and begin to live and have life. As the word of God is preached to them. How powerful is the word of God? 
pastors discipling pastors disciple their church by bringing to them the word of God week after week. Someone may say, I wish that the pastor could disciple me. Well, you are actually being discipled even right now by the word of God as it is being preached to you. If you're regularly attending on the Lord's Day or even throughout the midweek, you are being discipled by your pastors and by your elders. In a broader sense, that is discipleship. There's a more narrow sense where we meet individually and we walk through life together. But in a broad sense, you want the word of God as someone is discipling you. So in a broad sense, you're being discipled every single week if you're listening. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What did Jesus do when he was confronted by religious leaders in John chapter 10 and elsewhere? He goes to the scriptures. He'll say, have you not read or have you not heard? And he points back to what the word of God has already said. What does first Peter do? Or what does Peter do in 1 Peter chapter 3 when he's given an example of how wives should live and, and how they should treat and live with their husband? He gives an example from scripture concerning Sarah and Abraham, how she served her husband. What does Paul do when he speaks to the churches? He uses scripture. We see a number of examples of this in the book of Romans where he points back to the scriptures of what Abraham did or what Isaac was about or what Pharaoh existed for. In this sense... As the pastors and elders are preaching week after week, you are being discipled. What you are experiencing right now, as the word of God is being preached in your ears, listen closely, is the main department or is the main ministry for every single department in this church. What you're hearing right now as the word of God is being preached is the main ministry for every single department in this church. Meaning that the main place where the youth should be most ministered to is that right here where the word of God is being preached. Where the children's church, right here where the word of God is being preached. Where the nursery, right here where the word of God is being preached. This is the main environment in which your, you and your, your kids, your family, are being discipled. Amen. Because right here is where it all trickles out to the rest of the congregation. Amen. Amen. Let me also say, if you're visiting today... And you're in a church where the word of God is not being preached. You are wasting your time there. The best thing that you're doing in that church is wasting your time. You should leave that church. If the word of God is not being preached, you are wasting your time in that church. And I encourage you, leave that church. Amen. Pastors and elders lead not only in teaching, but in baptism. In the Lord's Supper, in membership, membership interviews, giving input on doctrine, praying for members, and so much more. This is what God has called me to do. This is what God has called the other pastors and elders to do. And you must keep us accountable to that. We are charged by God to do so. And we live for this purpose. The Bible says in in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, Remember your elders. Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome or way of their life and imitate their faith. First Corinthians chapter 11 and Galatians chapter 3 also encourages us to imitate our leaders. We must never despise our leaders or look at our leaders as if they, we know more than them or we could do a better job than them. We are here to pray for them, to encourage them, to be a good member of this local church and not be a bothersome to them. Amen. It is important that you learn 
also from others. I love the fact that many of you have other ministers that you love to listen to and praise God for them. You love to listen to ministers who are dead and gone. You love to read their books. You love to access other ministers online on YouTube or whatever else you find them on. But the pastors that you are charged to listen to, the pastors that you are charged to submit to and to obey to obey are the ones who are in your local church. And just so that I can be uh, painfully clear to you, that means me. That means the other uh, pastors and elders of this church. So you may love uh, your other ministers, and I don't want to say who, because then all of a sudden people are going to think I'm talking about them. But the main person that you are to be submitted to is your local pastor in your church. I don't care what the other people are saying, and praise God for them. But if you love them that much, then you should go to their church. Amen. Amen. We, We will give an account for you. So we must shepherd you well. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.11, And he gave Christ, the, gave the apostles, the prophets, and evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by waves, by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitfulness. Brothers and sisters, you can try to live without pastors and elders. But why would you? You can try to have a life where you are not submitted to elders and pastors over your life. But it's not a really good idea. If Christ has given these men as gifts to the local church to build up the body, to help us attain unity in the faith, to grow in knowledge and understanding, to help us not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, then why would you not want to submit to a pastor or an elder in the local church? They are there to help you. Amen. And this is sometimes hard because many of us have seen authority abused in the pastoral, in the pastorate. And I understand that. I come from an abused pastor, but I tell you what, there is life after abuse, and it is found under pastors who are submitted to the word of God and who lovingly and biblically shepherd the people of God. It was said just a few weeks ago, uh, this is concerning the local church, but I also would apply it to the pastors and the elders. It would be like driving at night without your lights on. You can do it. But it's not a very wise thing to do. I would say the same thing for not having a pastor or an elder in your life. You can do it. But it's not a very wise thing to do. Many of us are aware of the life preserver, as it were, that the Lord threw to us two years ago concerning our understanding of clearer, more biblical truth when he led us in a more reformed direction. Let me ask you a question. How did he do that? through the means of pastors, through the means of weak vessels who were used to communicate powerful truths that transform our lives. Third, what is your relationship to the pastor? Our third point, what is the congregation's relationship to the pastor? The congregation has a high responsibility and a great privilege in relationship to the pastor. The congregation 
has a responsibility of receiving the pastors and elders of the local church. Understand this, that I am standing up here, obviously, first and foremost, because the Lord Jesus Christ has sovereignly ordained it. But in a secondary means, I'm standing up here because you are allowing it. Meaning this, if you did not show up, then who am I going to preach to? Amen. So one of the responsibilities that you have as a congregation is to receive the pastors and the elders who are over you. Again, here because of God. But also here because you are allowing it. It is your love, your prayers for us, humbly working with us, that God uses all of us to accomplish the mission for his church. The Bible says in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Submit, young people, to your youth leader. Our children's church teacher must teach them to submit to her. The babies are learning right now to submit to them. That's this, this process of learning how to obey your leaders, to submit to them and to not make their job difficult. But to make their job a joy, it would be no advantage to you if the people who are pastoring you, shepherding you, hated you. Or that you got on their nerves and that when you walked into the building, they took a sigh of, you know what? Your relationship to the pastor is to submit to them, to submit to their teaching so that, oh, actually, submit to their teaching in as far as their teaching is rooted in the word of God, so that you could be built up for maturity and for the use of God's glory. We are charged to watch over you as under shepherds to the good shepherd. You are to honor congregation and support your pastors and elders. You all, let me just say, uh, you all do a great job at that. You all do a great job at that. You all do a great job at praying for, as far as I can tell, your pastors. Praying for the other helpers and, and teachers in this church. You guys do such a great job at that. As a matter of fact, it is a joy to pastor this church. Every time I come in, I, there is not one person that I am not happy to see. You guys are a joy to pastor. And I think I speak on behalf of the other pastors, elders, and teachers in this church that you guys are truly a joy to pastor. But what is your relationship to us? You are primarily called to pray for us, to pray for us as the word of God is being preached into your lives. You should pray for us as we teach. You should pray for us as we disciple. You should pray for us as we go throughout our week and study. You should be praying for your leaders. Submit to them, yes. Pray for them just as much. What is your relationship to pastors and elders? You are, to, you are called to financially support those who teach. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.17, let elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborers deserve his wages. It is wrong to keep an ox from eating when he is doing all the work to spread the grain so that the crops can grow and feed the multitudes. You will be helped Actually, you will be benefited if you support your leaders. 
You will be greatly benefited if you support your leaders by helping to allow your leaders to do what? To focus solely on the ministry of the word of God and the shepherding of God's people. You will be greatly rewarded. It is, it is sad often to see pastors who have to work so hard throughout the week doing a job of, of working in the world and then also doing the, 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 the extra hard job of trying to pastor a church and study all of the time that it takes to study and prepare a sermon for that particular church. It's hard work. It is a godly act to provide for your pastors and elders. It is one also that has been greatly abused. And that's why many of you are hesitant to even say amen or to agree to this. Because we've seen so much abuse. We've seen the preachers of L.A., preachers of Atlanta that we kind of didn't get a chance to see today. And they, well, they have all of these all of these cars and these houses and they flash all of these different things because of what the church has given to them. Brothers and sisters, that's an extreme. That's an extreme that has been taken to an unbiblical extreme. But there is a biblical cause or a biblical case for supporting your pastors and elders. And I pray that one day we in this church are able to get to that place. Let me say that we won't be able to do that if we hold back from our giving though. So you want the men of God to preach the word of God and to do so faithfully and to do so well, and to do so clearly. Well, then give them the time to do that. Then give them the time to do that. What is your relationship to pastors and elders? You are called to reject us. If we are not teaching you the word of God and abiding in the word of God ourselves. This is your duty and it is your responsibility. And I say this with passion. If you want to follow Christ We are not serving you well if we are not helping you to follow Christ. You hear that? If you want to follow Christ, we are not serving you well if we're not helping you follow Christ. If we're not taking you to his word and showing you this is how you follow Christ. If we're not taking you aside and walking with you and showing you this is how you live as you follow Christ. If we're not doing those things and you are called biblically to reject us. And too many churches do not take this matter seriously. Biblically, as a church, they have every, we have a responsibility to reject false teaching and their teachers who teach falsely. 2 Timothy 4.3 speaks about people not enduring sound doctrine, for they have itchy ears. Friends, if we sit and allow false doctrine to be preached to us, first, it's the preacher's fault. Secondly, it's our fault for sitting there and taking it. I can't tell you how many years I sat under bad teaching and kept telling my dad on the way home, why don't we just leave? This teaching is heretical. Why don't we leave? Oh, and my father was was loyal to a fault from his own admission. If we ever begin to drift from biblical theology, then it is your responsibility to call call us on it And if we do not budge, it's your responsibility to leave and to escape it. Amen. The preacher, the preacher has a responsibility, as do the hearers have a responsibility. And for the sake of people and for my sake, do not support the ministry if we are not preaching the gospel. Amen. What is the relationship from the congregation to the congregation? What is the relationship between member to member? 
We are responsible. That's our fourth point. We are, what is the congregate? What is the relationship between member and member? We are responsible to make sure that we are obeying the one another's in scripture. I'll say that again. We are responsible to make sure that we are obeying the one another's in scripture. Pray for one another. Are you doing that for each other? Are you making sure that's being done in this church? Encourage one another. Are you encouraging one another? Look around at the people who are here tonight. Have you gone out of your way to go and encourage one particular person? Have you done that? To correct one another. Do you see one another going in directions that you know are not biblical? And do you have, will you take the responsibility to say, it is my duty to go and correct them biblically? Not because you hate them, but because you love them. Love one another. Biblically, are you going out of your way to love the people in this local church? I'll tell you what, you obeying all of the one another's is you practicing biblical discipleship every single time you come to church. Again, I said to you guys at prayer, one of the things that we ask one another is, how you doing? And one of the things that we always say is good. Why don't you go deeper than that? Why don't you ask him, is there anything I can pray with you about? Anything that you were encouraged by this week when you read the scriptures? Anything that, that you were encouraged by this week as you shared the gospel? Have you shared the gospel this week? People may feel weird about that because we haven't necessarily done that. But when we start doing that as a church and as a community, as we start making that a norm in this church, what, what we start to do is create a culture of discipleship. What we start to do is, for those of you guys who started to get really hyped about sharing the gospel and telling people, do you know the gospel, and finding out so many people don't know the gospel, we must also start to get into this, this, this pattern, this culture of getting deeper into one another's lives. Not just staying on the shallow surface, but diving deep into one another's lives. And yes, that is going to mean that you're going to get dirty. But that's what we're called to do. That is what we are called to do. You are also, you have a responsibility to help, uh, to help church discipline take place. Church discipline takes place as we together allow people to become members and also excommunicate people from membership. That is all of our responsibility. There will be a person at, at our next um, members meeting that I'll talk to you about. That I am going to suggest that we dismember because of his lack of consistency and his lack of communication with people in this church. And I think that you will agree that that person is not practicing the biblical one another's of this local church. I think you would agree. And one of our responsibilities that we are supposed to do as members of the church is to lovingly communicate with one another, but also lovingly carry one another's burdens. And if we're not letting one another into our lives, then how much are we really practicing church membership and saying, yes, I agree and adhere to all of the things that we said in that covenant? Meaning this, if you don't understand what I mean, if you're going through something and you decide, I don't want anybody around me, I'm not going to talk to anybody, I'm not going to see you guys for three, four months. What kind of a church member are you? And why would, you, why would you call yourself a church member? And why would we say to you, you are a church member? I love you. I care about you. But you haven't cared enough about me 
when I've been reaching out to you to tell me how I can pray for you, how I can help you. All you've done is ignore me. So what am I supposed to do? Because you've dismembered yourself. All I'm doing is, is acknowledging what you've already done in your heart. We as a church do that. Does that make sense? I get passionate about that because that's what we're here for. And then we walk out and say, uh, this person and that person. When we're standing around saying, we're here for you. We, we are reaching out, but you've got to reach back. Amen. We are here to help one another grow in Christ. We are here to help one another grow in Christ. That's why my wife has these kids sitting here taking notes. She's trying to help them to grow in Christ. That's why one of them needs to be corrected about how much talking that they're doing. Because you need to grow up in Christ. And that means there's a certain way that you behave in church. Amen? That's not because we don't love you. Because we want you to grow up. At some point. Amen? We are called to help one another in that process. Amen? We should see people continually grow spiritually. All the time. This is what should be happening in this church. And let me just end with this. I don't want you to see this as a series of gospel evangelism, making disciples, as something you need to try to add to your Christianity. Brothers and sisters, this is Christianity. This is not something that we try to add now to our Christianity or being nice to people. This is Christianity. This is the cornerstone of everything that we do. It is all Connected to the gospel, evangelism, and making disciples. So though this series is done, this way of living will continue until the Lord returns. Because this is how he has called us to live. And I pray that the Lord empowers you by his spirit to obey his commands. And if you're a believer, by God's grace you will. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you, God, for the strength that you are giving us week after week in preaching the gospel in obeying, Lord, the commands that you have called us to obey in seeking you with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength. We thank you for the strength that you are giving us week after week. God, we love you. We praise you. Help us to obey. In Christ's name we pray, amen.